0: Hey folks, welcome back to Tay. I have a very special episode for all of you today, and it's about three months in the making. Sorry it took so long to get it out, but we all know that life gets in the way, and now that life is out of the way, we finally have a finished product. Before we jump into it, I need to give you a little spiel. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Sixteen to be exact. They aren't all daily, or weekly for that matter. I have a few movie review podcasts, some radio dramas, and politics. You see, I can't stand getting the news from the major news outlets anymore. It's been said before, and I'm probably repeating it, but I think it's something worth repeating. For the most part, in this country, journalism is dead. All the stories we hear are skewed from people with agendas. So I get my rundown on all the stuff that's going on in the world you know, the important items, which also means the media won't cover it, I get it all from podcasts. Honestly, I feel that because I get my news from alternative sources, I'm better informed, and I feel more confident if I'm ever cornered into a debate. One of my favorites is the Lions of Liberty podcast. Every Monday and Wednesday, Mark Clare brings guests on his show to discuss the ideas of liberty and libertarianism. On Fridays, John Odermatt hosts Felony Fridays, a newer edition of the Lines of Liberty podcast. Every week, John discusses the flaws of the criminal justice system with guests from law enforcement, nonprofit activist organizations, and people who have fallen victim to the system. You know what? I've kept you waiting long enough on this one, so I'll just shut up now and here it is, the Mark Claire interview. Tell us about Lines of Liberty. Uh where did where did you get the name from?
1: Alright, well the name is the easy part actually because this kind of goes back I met a few friends of mine Um, we came together because we shared some similar political views and we sort of discovered this uh, around the same time, around I say 2008 or so during the Ron Paul presidential campaign, that's when we started to sort of coalesce our ideas a little and uh, this particularly group of friends are people that I knew from college and that was about oh ooh, I don't want to get too specific but it was a number of years after we would graduated college and uh, we went to Penn State so the uh, Nittany Lion is the mascot of Penn State so um, you know that's where the uh, that's where the lion came from we figured it just uh, it just seemed natural and then someone just said well what are we going to call ourselves uh, I don't know Liberty something with Liberty Lions uh, Lions of Liberty there it is so that it's really that simple but it actually actually Actually, it's it's a title that I think really works well for us because we're all very passionate. Uh, You know, before. Ron Paul gave us sort of the, the impetus and the courage to speak out politically about our beliefs before we probably didn't have these conversations too often I didn't really speak about my political beliefs uh, I mean for libertarians at one point you 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 kind of discover these ideas and you discover libertarianism and but you think you're the only libertarian that exists for, for a long time for many years I thought I was like almost literally the only libertarian and then you, you find some like minded people and it can give you that impetus to speak out so we like to think we're lions not only because we share this this little past in college with this mascot but it also is a portrayal of our desire to scream loudly and shout from the rooftops about the injustices that we see in the world
0: so you've had a wide range of guests Uh, anybody from former presidential candidates like ron paul you've had fellow podcasters you've had authors i gotta ask you is it a little intimidating to be interviewing the the likes of someone like ron paul or how do you prep for something like that
1: well, it's it, it was difficult in the sense that in Ron Paul's case, in particular, because I only had a, I was able to get connected with him through a mutual acquaintance. I actually became friends over the over a, a period of several years with someone who ended up getting a job working for Ron Paul and being the one who schedules his day and schedules his interviews. So that's a pretty good end to have with someone you want to interview. And uh, oh, yeah, he was yeah. able to arrange it for me, but he could only get me fifteen minutes. And you know what? he tells me this is a guy who turns down interviews on cnn daily he turns down mainstream interviews all the time he's very picky about about the kind of stuff he does so if i'm Mm -hmm. only getting 15 minutes from a guy who's turning down cnn interviews that's fine i'm thrilled with the 15 minutes but it was challenging because you know you listen to the show so you know i usually like to really get in depth with my guests i i I like to really ask follow-up questions i like to really dig in deep on their answers when you got 15 minutes, you can't really do that. You just can't. Yeah. Um, so that was a challenge to both come up with questions like that, but then sort of resist the urge to really, really dig as much as I might want because I don't want to spend 15 minutes on one topic. I wanted to hit a few things. So uh, th- that was tough in that sense. Uh, as far as intimidating, only because I've been doing this at this point for close to three years now. That, that's that's pretty much shaken off the uh, the the nervousness of interviewing somebody. But in the beginning, oh boy, I was nervous as all hell, and it's just interviewing people that weren't necessarily big names. Like my first guest is Stefan Kinsella, an intellectual property attorney. He's a, a name a lot of libertarians know, like in the libertarian world, but he's not you know a famous person in general. But even then, I, I was thinking. Here I am, this guy, this who just decided to do, launch a podcast. I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just going to record this conversation with this guy and figure it out later. Like I didn't, I literally had no concept of how to create a podcast. I just, I, I recorded an interview first and I figured everything else out afterwards. So I was intimidated in the sense that, man, this guy is very well versed on this subject. Um, it's literally a, an area of expertise of his. He does this for a living. He wrote an entire book about it. Oh my God! I don't want to sound like an idiot. Like that—that that was my biggest concern. Like, can I even keep up here? And I, I know I'm an intelligent guy, and I know I'm well-versed on these issues. But there's one thing to be well-versed, and another thing to kind of be in that situation where you're actually having this conversation live. And I can't—I can't go click on, you know, I can't go Google something and, and and read ten articles about it before I before I dig deeper on a topic. Like we're live, we're here, we're having a conversation. So uh, I guess just just feeling like I'm—I'm, I'm, you know good enough and smart enough to do this was was a big leap to get over in the beginning but that shakes off after a while too because eventually you realize once you start talking to these people and you've interviewed some people you know how it is no matter what you build up in your mind once you actually get on the phone with someone and start chatting you realize it's just another person and you know there's really it's really not that intimidating and my the goal with my show was really to take a lot of conversations that were happening um, in the political realm in the libertarian realm um, and translate them so regular people can listen to them and not feel totally overwhelmed by them and whether the level of success I've achieved with that may be questionable but that that's always the goal that's what I'm pushing towards so um, and that, that's actually taken a lot of the pressure off because I'm not trying to keep up with uh, intellectual people. I'm trying to whittle them down and, and translate the work they're already doing into something that, that, you know, hopefully a regular person who I meet one day, I can tell them about my podcast and they can listen to it and, and not feel like they just got bombarded with intellectual, you know, brouhaha. They can actually feel like they're listening to just a regular conversation that they can start to understand and start to relate to. You
0: know, there's something I always wanted to ask you if I ever had the chance to meet you to you what exactly is a libertarian uh is is there is there a good litmus test is there a person in history or someone who's currently living that's a that's you look to it's like wow that's the best example for a libertarian but what are your thoughts on that
1: you know that's really a tough one and for someone like me who who hosts a libertarian podcast you'd think it would be a really easy answer what Mm -hmm. is a libertarian uh i have my own answer and i'll give that to you but I, I think it's kind of you know it, it's a tough thing because when you're a libertarian you're you're trying to be different not just for the sake of being different because but because the ideas actually are legitimately different than what you see in the mainstream than what you see from right. the Democrats than what you see from the Republicans uh, and, and when we're talking in this mainstream political sense we think of the capital letters the big R the big D even the big L although you know many people weren't thinking about that um, in terms of modern politics until recently but thankfully we have two freaking monsters right now. We have Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton being put up there. So it is actually giving people pause to think, wait, who are those? Weren't these, these other guys that are on the ballot too? What are they, the, the Liber or something? So some of those people are actually starting to look into libertarianism and, and think about it more deeply. But but when you get into that realm, into the political realm, it, it gets kind of icky because, okay, a lot of libertarians want to be quote unquote pure. They want to be have a pure philosophy. And that's all well and good. Uh, especially when you are a party who prides itself on being principled over being necessarily just just trying to say what it takes to get votes. Uh, so you you want to convey principles. You want to convey ideals. At the same time, you don't want to just, you know, you have new people getting interested in this, and you don't want to give them a 10-question quiz where if they if they get the wrong answer on one of them, you're like, well, you're not a libertarian, so you're banished. Get out of here. Um, so there's a couple ways to approach it. I, I'm going to say that, to me, a libertarian is someone who, who when – they base their political positions and they they derive all of their political ideas from the concept of individual rights. A lot of people interpret that in many different ways and there are a lot of conversations, a lot of nuanced conversations to be had around that because two people that, that believe firmly in the idea of individual rights which is that the idea that individuals do have rights and that those those rights supersede any sort of perceived collectivist rights. You know, just because we vote for something for, by 51 percent to 49 percent, that doesn't mean the 51 percent can tell the other 49 whatever to do, and that's okay. Um, and it's just not how it works, or it is how it works. Actually, it's not how it should work. Let's put it that way.
0: So, how do you sell liberty to the average voter?
1: Boy, it ain't easy, is it? Because look, the no. the, the, <laughs> uh, the uh, libertarian party has never. They have cracked 1 percent, but that's as far as it as they've gotten. Uh, Gary Johnson actually got the most votes uh, from a Libertarian ever in 2012. Um, mm. It's not easy because let me tell you why, and this is the big problem that Libertarian politicians have. And I don't have all the solutions. If I did, I'd probably would already be uh, the Libertarian, the first Libertarian president. If I knew exactly how to make this work, right. maybe <laughs> not, because I, I just turned 35 not that long ago. So, um, but uh, it's difficult because what Libertarians try to do is they try to be irrational, and um, you know, you'll see somebody like rand paul up there and i use him as, as a it's probably a controversial example to use because he's one of those guys that many libertarians will say ah oh, you're not a libertarian okay mm-hmm. let's just step back for a second though rand paul if you're a libertarian rand paul much close much more closely represents your ideals than probably any any elected official at uh, the national level right now
0: mm-hmm. are
1: there many many areas i disagree with him yes but for the, for the purposes of our modern political paradigm, he's about as close as we're getting in terms of people that are actually elected right now. I mean, uh, it's just that simple. So, I mean, he, people are going to line up with him in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what Rand Paul always tries to do when he's up there in the, in the debate stage, ask, answering a question, he'll say, okay, well, the thing about this is, and he'll list, like, ten reasons why whatever question was posed to him might be uh, an incorrect premise, and he'll give a very rational response. And he'll give that response to crickets, absolute crickets, because sadly, uh, political audiences do not get fired
0: up by a rational thought. They get fired up by emotional appeals. That's a funny thought, isn't it? Getting people ri- riled up about logic. I mean, they should be, but yeah, it's like,
1: woo, that was a very logical course of thinking, all right, yeah. And the common crowd chance, just goes, running well, And chance, people woo. are just chanting, reason, reason, reason. Uh, I mean, that would be amazing. I, ironically, it would scare me, though, too, because a, a, a large crowd chanting anything is just a frightening thing in general. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of a catch-22 on that one. I do wish large swaths of people would, would uh, value rationality over just emotional appeals. Uh, unfortunately, that's not the world we live in right now. Uh, So that's why you have people like Donald Trump who, my God, if you can tell, give me one of his actual policy positions that has not changed in the last six months, I'll I'll give you $50. And guess what? Donald Trump is never going to build a wall. And Donald Trump. I'm going to take this one further. I don't think Donald Trump has any intention of ever building a wall anywhere. Maybe just a w- another wall around one of his mansions or one of his resorts, maybe. But that's, a, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> it's a it's a political, emotional appeal. Build a wall. That's not about building a wall. Build a Wall is about an emotional appeal to the sense of injustice that many people have, right or wrong, I'm going to say it's wrong, that you know, a perception that Americans are quote-unquote losing jobs to foreigners or to whatever beast of the day is ruining our economy. Uh, there's many policies we can point to which are hurting the economy, but uh, the fact that some, some people might be coming over here trying to get jobs is not the problem, uh, but that there is an emotional aspect to that. It's an emotional appeal. Uh, I mean, if you've ever read Art of the Deal, Donald Trump has basically already laid out the format for his campaign. You make ridiculous, big, bold claims, uh, and then you walk them back. It's a deal. He's he's negotiating right now. When he's been talking about building a wall this whole time, he's just been negotiating. He's been putting out his big, bold exclamation. It appeals to people's emotions, but it actually has nothing to do with what he'll actually try to do policy-wise. Um, and maybe that's why I'm— I'm both less afraid of Donald Trump and maybe more afraid than Donald Trump of a lot of people. I'm not really worried about the policies he's talking about because I I don't think he is doing anything other than trying to get elected. I think literally everything he says is something he knows will help his campaign in some way or another. And a lot of times that might be counterintuitive because he'll say something we all think is horrible, (laughs) terrible. But guess what? It gets him. 24 7 news coverage and he knows this he knows this all too well because he's been playing this game his entire life in the business world i mean half of the reason his businesses are are so successful is because of the trump name that he has built as a brand in the media over the last 20 years in various different ways and all he's doing is taking that same that same idea and applying it to politics
0: yeah i think i know what you mean um it's it's like libertarians have a hard time. Uh, getting those sound bites in, you know, talking in bumper stickers, as it were. Um, you know, I was having a conversation with a uh, liber- uh, a, a, uh, a local politician around here. He's more of a liberty-minded conservative. Uh, and he was telling me that he was a really big fan of Rand Paul, and uh, there was a debate that he and Marco Rubio had that... Rand answered the question, and he answered it very logically. But then Marco Rubio just shut him down and said, "Wow, well, well, you're just you're nothing more than a committed isolationist." So it's as if the you know the libertarians you know they definitely appeal to the logos, but uh, and definitely the ethos, but not so much the uh, pathos. If you catch my drift. Trying to use uh, big, fancy words, you know, because I'm from... <laughs> I mean, you're, you're,
1: on, you're on the right track. I mean, it doesn't even matter, even if, if this guy thought Rand Paul... May, makes more sense he's mm-hmm. still getting from that debate what other people are getting that Rand paul is not presidential material for whatever reason i mean listen i, I know what debate you're talking about because i talked to my dad after this and my dad lifelong republican but uh, i was able to sort of get him around to the more liberty ish view of things he was a he became a big ron paul supporter he only campaigned for ron paul in 2012 um he sees all the reasons that most other republicans are bad a lot of them anyway uh, he might not subscribe 100% to, to my philosophical leanings, but he's definitely been pushed in that direction. And but if you check down a list of uh, you know positions, there's no doubt my dad lines up with Rand Paul more than any of those other candidates. And I talked to him on the phone after one of the debates, and he's like, "Rand, uh, I didn't, I don't know. Rand didn't really make much impact, but Rubio, I think Rubio looked really good. I mean, because Rubio yeah. is playing a political game, and he's, I mean, I don't. It's it's, it's a tough position to be in." having knowledge of realpolitik, of of how these things really affect the voting public, but actually trying to present a rational vision and and trying to do things rationally because I do think that's the biggest problem with not just our political system, but uh, our our governmental system, our, our society where everything we do is based on emotion. The laws we pass are based on emotion, largely. Uh, oh, we don't like drugs? Okay, throw everyone in jail that ever has any. So that that sounds like a great solution. I mean, that's an emotional response to thinking that there's a problem with drugs. It's not a logical one, it's not a reasonable one at all. Uh, and yet that that's the position of the United States government. And, and honestly, that's the position of most human beings because at the end of the day, our governments really do reflect the the will of the populace. Uh, I mean not like on a one-to-one basis but for the most part if you see a law that exists even though you might hear a lot of people confessing and complaining about it it's, it's a good chance that it's, it's largely supported by the population. I mean if I go poll 20 of my neighbors I think most of them are not going to be for the legalization of drugs um, not all drugs or anything like that maybe some of them might, might think legalizing marijuana is okay because I live in California and we're We lean a little uh, progressive on the marijuana issue, but it's only on the marijuana issue. I mean, uh, I don't think most people want to fully legalize drugs. So, you know, it it is difficult to try to present uh, a rational case to the irrational. (laughs) But that's the situation we're in right now.
0: So I guess the ideal libertarian or liberty-minded candidate would be someone who can effectively, shall we say... Somebody that's able
1: to have this conversation and present these ideas, but also cater it towards the, a sense of injustice out there. I mean, uh, one of the guests I've had on my show a few times is Robin Kerner. He's uh, the head of the Blue Republicans. They're kind of a um, uh, political group that attempts to merge the left and right and, and to kind of point them in the direction of libertarianism. And but he always says that you know. The, a successful politician is someone who like successfully appeals to a sense of injustice in people that's what bernie sanders did um and that's what donald trump does they they both do this um in a slightly different way, and they're catering to different audiences, but they are both following the same playbook, uh, this emotional p- appeal, appealing to people's sense of injustice, you know, rationality of the actual policies being proposed, be damned, that has nothing to do with this, uh, but if you could find a libertarian who um, can do that without lying, you know, who can actually right. do that, but connect it to the actual same policies they support and not be a chameleon, that that would be the ideal. Uh, in a way, Ron Paul actually sort of was that, and Ron Paul I would never accuse of being deceptive. I think he's one of the most honest politicians uh, we've ever seen in our lifetimes. But he, if you think about it, he had catchphrases. End uh, the Fed. That's a catchphrase. He had bring the troops home. That's a catchphrase. He was able to sort of speak as a politician. I'm not even sure if he realized how he was doing it, but it, those catchphrases rallied people up. So even among the rational, you know, you, you still need some sort of that, that that emotional appeal even to to rally your base and rally the troops and get other people excited about you. So uh, it's a difficult formula, and the reason it's so difficult, uh, I think, is also the reason that we don't. You know, one of the reasons we don't see libertarian politicians really achieving that much success in the the, the terms that we view um, political success. Uh, Of course, another part of that is just the fact that the system is literally rigged against any sort of third parties.
0: So, do you see a libertarian elected in our lifetime, or are you a little bit more pessimistic?
1: There is a danger to the idea of a libertarian getting elected, and then the world going to shit, and then <coughs> it did it again, and then okay. them just breaking, you know, them destroying the concept of libertarianism because everyone will blame all the bad things on, on this libertarian president. So that's one fear. Uh, I don't really think that's a a, a current fear because I. <laughs> Uh, It's hard, you know, I I would uh, six months ago, I'd say there's no chance of a libertarian getting elected ever. And I might I probably do still think that. Um, But man, boy, Donald Trump, and Hillary Clinton, if there's if there were ever a time, if there were ever a time for people for a libertarian party, any party to break through and gain actual verifiable political traction, now is that time. Uh, I think Donald Trump has something like a 70% uh, unfavorable rating. Hillary Clinton has something like a 60-something percent unfavorable rating. I mean, if people go out and vote for one of these people, odds are they're not voting for the person they're voting against the other person they hate more so it gives us an opportunity to actually present hopefully a, a positive version or a, a positive uh, candidate out there and and look I've you've listened to the show so you know that I've had my fair share of criticisms of Gary Johnson uh, I will probably continue to have my fair share of criticisms of Gary Johnson because uh, while I wish the libertarian Party success um, I'm a member of the libertarian Party I'm not a I'm not a water carrier for anybody so I'm gonna judge everybody the same we did this with Rand Paul too Uh, I'm going to praise you when I feel it's appropriate. I'm going to criticize you when I feel it's appropriate. I think that's the only way to really stay consistent. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, Gary Johnson compared to Donald Trump, Gary Johnson compared to Hillary Clinton, I mean, this is, like, not even a decision. I mean, the guy is just leaps and bounds. It doesn't matter if you have mainstream political ideas or you're a, a pure libertarian. I think so many different people can look at Gary Johnson and say, Well, God, this guy's just way better than Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I mean, but he's not as good a politician as them. So, you know, will he be able to capture that emotional appeal? That I'm not so sure of. And the fact is, they're going to do everything they can to keep him out of the debates. And if you're not in a debate, most people aren't going to take you seriously because the the mainstream media is not going to tell people that they should vote for you. And most people... Don't vote for people. I mean, the Libertarian Party has been on the ballot for 20 years, and yet, for all we hear is, "Oh no, we have this terrible choice between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton." Oh, how are we going to decide? And meanwhile, it's like, have you been to a voting booth ever? Do you realize there's other people on that ballot? But the fact is that people see those names on the ballot, but they've been told that that's wasting your vote and that they're not real candidates. And as long as people have that mindset. Uh, they're not going to vote for a third-party candidate. So I think that's that's kind of step one, Um, at least when it comes to uh, electoral politics. It's just... Breaking this idea that you must, you must, you are compelled uh, by by otherworldly forces to vote for either Republican or Democrat. I mean, that's why we keep getting the best of the worst or the worst of the best. You know, everyone always says, "Well, it's just just better than the other guy," so that's uh, why well, I'm voting for him. Well, my God, shouldn't we have higher standards to elect the, the most powerful man on the planet or woman on the planet? Shouldn't we have some slightly higher standards than I hate them a little bit less <laughs> than the other guy? I'd like to think we do, and I, I really do think Gary Johnson presents a much more palatable. Alt- alternative even if you aren't a uh, you know a philosophical libertarian
0: you know a lot of libertarians are having issues with gary johnson and the bill the gary johnson bill well ticket do you think that this is a legitimate grievance or is this an example of libertarians not wanting to play the game of inches
1: it's a tough one because You know, I interviewed somebody recently. This interview hasn't aired yet, so you haven't heard it, but uh, it's a guy named Larry Sharp. He was a vice presidential candidate uh, for the Libertarian Party this year. He almost won the nomination. He he missed it by only 30 votes at the uh, Libertarian Party convention. And, uh, you know, he was he was telling his story. And this is someone who I think is very principled. Um, And he actually opposed Bill Weld. He ran against Bill Weld. And that's who he came so close to defeating for the nomination. But he gave a speech, and um, he gave a speech, a concession speech, where he said that if it were not for Gary Johnson, he would not be a libertarian because he had never heard of libertarianism before 2012. And he happened to see a a speech Gary Johnson gave, and he said, Wow, this guy thinks like me. This guy actually is is reasonable. I got to look into this more. And so while I, I might think that Gary Johnson doesn't do a great job as a messenger of liberty, I don't like the phrase fiscally. He always comes out on TV and says, well, you know, um, i I think I'm fiscally conservative and and socially liberal, and I, I really think that most Americans are, are starting to see they don't quite fall in line with with the Democrats or Republicans. They're they're sort of in the middle, and I, I just I don't like that. It just drives me crazy because it, it means
0: it makes you do libert- the best Gary Johnson impression ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's actually I got a lot of competition out there because obviously oh, a really? lot of a lot of libertarian hosts are doing doing Gary Johnson impressions nowadays. So I'm working on on getting uh, into the top of the pack on that one but um you know i don't like it because it it makes out libertarianism as just some sort of centrist position where oh we just took some things we like from the democrats and a few things we like from the republicans and we kind of mushed them all together and here we are libertarian like that's not at all what libertarianism is to me so like when i hear that it bothers me but i get people like larry sharp who i you know maybe it's just the fact that gary johnson is speaking language they understand and if that even gets them interested in libertarianism, well, they're going to look up "Lions of Liberty" and they're going to find me, and they're going to find other shows out there, and they're going to go to a party meeting and meet people that are more well-versed in the philosophy than Gary is. And Gary, admittedly, like, doesn't know jack about the libertarian philosophy. I mean, he's pretty much said as much; like, he doesn't care to. Uh, and I think that's obvious. But that doesn't make him a terrible person, and that doesn't mean that a lot of his um, a lot of his positions don't line up with libertarian ideas. A lot of them do, uh, especially again when compared to what's being presented by. Uh, the republicans and the democrats so while i like personally think that gary johnson is not a great messenger for liberty i see cases of other people who you know someone like that is what got them interested and they have become very principled so i can't really say there's necessarily a right or wrong answer i mean how can i argue with the fact that i know principled people that that got involved because of someone like gary johnson so you know maybe you do need that 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 pepsi light that that just just a sip a sip of something before you get full pepsi i don't know
0: so the presidential field for the 2016 Libertarian Party, um, it's a pretty robust field, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh, yeah. It was. It had a, a, an interesting group of candidates, let's put it that way.
0: Out of all the candidates, who did you support?
1: Well, I never endorsed anyone officially, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one, because I just don't want to, you know, I don't want to get too... It sounds silly to say I'm the host of a Libertarian podcast. I don't want Lions of Liberty to become too political in the sense that uh, we start endorsing candidates, and we start...
0: You know, I know what you mean. You, summons, don't, you, know? you, I don't... Don't, you don't want to be riding a bandwagon. Yeah, right, because that's Because exactly. that's what a lot of pundits do. Because, uh-huh. you know, Glenn Beck rode the Ted Cruz train pretty hard, right. and um, I, think, I think Mark Levin did pretty, did too, and then a lot of all the other conservative pundits, they pretty much jumped on the Trump train as soon as they had an idea that he was probably going to win. So, yeah, no, I, I totally understand. Right. And, and
1: uh, the fact is they're all... Of all the leading candidates, they all brought a lot of good to the table. They all brought some negative to the table. Uh, I I really became a fan of Austin Peterson. I mean, I had interviewed him before. I have probably some philosophical disagreements with him. <clears throat> and a lot of people don't like him because they've seen him as like an, an Internet troll. I mean, he's even admitted he's been a troll. He, he says things on the Internet just to piss people off. Uh, but I, th- I, th- I thought I really saw a lot of evolution from him over the course of the campaign, uh, both in his the way he portrays his message and in, in just uh, the way he's matured and the way he portrays himself to others. I thought he really grew up a lot. And uh, I think he's going to be a valuable uh, part of the liberty, liberty movement going forward and maybe a great candidate down the line. Um, and maybe he, you know, but, but really, um, he be, really came across, I think, on the debate stage as just fantastic. I mean, the guy killed it on the debate stage. I think he won handily the last debate they had before the convention, the one hosted by Penn Gillette. And, uh, I mean, that, that's something that makes me nervous about Gary. This 35-year-old kid, this guy who's my age, uh, who's never ran for office before, was up on the debate stage making Gary look like a fool. And all I could think was, oh, my God, is Gary going to actually compete with, like, Trump and Hillary if this kid is just is just walking circles around him, uh, but I think it's healthy because Gary needs to be challenged, everybody needs to be challenged, it makes it makes them stronger. And I'm glad Austin was there to do that. He was the one that was presenting the biggest challenge to, to, to Gary um, all along the way. He was a thorn in his side, and I think he served a valuable purpose uh, in, in advancing the conversation about a lot of issues even within the Libertarian Party and, and trying to push Gary to become liber- more Libertarian. Whether or not that worked, uh, we will see. Uh so I think Austin brought a lot to the table. I think he's he's a very smart guy and really grew up a lot. Um, I, I like John McAfee. I was really feeling strongly about John McAfee. And again, you know, he's like Gary. <laughs> he he said he's not, hasn't read a book in thirty years. He doesn't know who Murray Rothbard and all these other libertarian thinkers that we've all many of us have read over the over the years ha- is. He doesn't know who they are, and he admits that and doesn't care. <clears throat> but his philosophy um, it felt very honest in the sense that he would, you know, he would give answers that sounded very libertarian. And he didn't stay up until 3 a.m. studying to give those answers. It's just how he felt. So he would say, they'd ask him something about the drug war, and he'd say, well, what is a drug? Don't we own our own bodies? Whose right is it to tell us what to put in our body? And he just had a very philosophical way of coming about things, which I really appreciated. Uh, we all know John McAfee's baggage. <laughs> we know yeah. some people think he killed a guy in Belize. Uh, we know <laughs> that he's been pulled over for a DUI with a gun in his car and on prescription painkillers, uh, like last year. So yeah, he's got baggage. So I'm not sure he should have been the, the candidate, but I definitely like him, and I like the I like the his approach, and I I think uh, he's. Going to be a valuable member as well this party he's, he's still in the party he still has a campaign called vote different and he's helping down ticket candidates with their campaigns and a lot of this he's doing very behind the scenes so um I, I do believe he uh was honest and serious when he said he wanted to create a movement and uh, he's still trying to do that even though that movement's not based around him um so i i think that all these guys had things they could bring in um, even Daryl Perry, I liked a lot. Mark Allen Feldman, they're some of the fringier guys that are, are portrayed that way, but I thought they all brought a lot to the table. Um, I, I, I probably, I don't, I, I never, the reason that I didn't endorse anybody officially isn't only because I didn't want, want to, I didn't want to attach Lion's Liberty to somebody, it's because I honestly didn't know. I mean, luck, and I and I was okay with that because I wasn't a delegate to the convention and I didn't have to make that choice. So I was kind of just an observer um, you know, part of me didn't want Gary just because I feel like we've done it before. Uh, like I, I already explained why I don't think he's like the best messenger uh, for the ideas of liberty. But boy, I can't argue with the fact he's been on TV a bunch. He's had like seven mainstream interviews since the since the nomination. And I, I like to think other candidates would have been able to get those interviews, too. But I don't know that. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. And again. Just like I said, uh, you know, even though I don't think Gary Johnson is the best messenger for liberty, I have evidence that he's turned other people onto the ideas who went on to become very principled. So, who knows what the best strategy is? And I, and while I will continue to have my criticisms of Gary Johnson probably going forward, uh, at the end of the day, I mean, look, like I said, when you put him next to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I mean, how could I not support the guy? So I don't know if I'll ever write a 17-page manifesto of why I endorse Gary Johnson, but I, 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 it's just not a difficult decision when it comes to a, an, an, casting an actual vote this year to me.
0: So a while back, there was a rumor going around that the Koch brothers were interested in endorsing Gary Johnson should he get the Libertarian Party nomination. So with that being said, hypothetically speaking, what if it were true What if the Koch brothers were interested in helping Gary Johnson? What if other so-called neoconservatives were interested in coalescing with the Johnson-Well ticket? Guys like Bill Kristol, even Lindsey Graham or John McCain, or basically any of your typical, uh, shall we say, neocon, never-Trump people, to you so long as they held a legitimate interest in helping the expansion of the liberty movement would you consider this to be a good thing a bad thing or is this an entirely loaded question
1: <laughs> i'm going to go with c loaded question okay <laughs> yeah, i mean it, it's tough to say i mean there's just so many approaches that may or like that i might think are good or bad that might turn out differently just kind of like with the gary johnson approach at the end of the day i think the most important thing is to um even if you like okay i don't think gary johnson has all the right ideas but i think mm-hmm. he generally does like i think he generally has much better positions so i think it's important that you're you know presenting things that are going in the right direction and at least not diverging from what most libertarians see as a philosophy too much again the challenge is how do you translate that into the kind of success of donald trump how do you be donald trump without actually being as horrible as donald trump
0: Mark, where can we find Lions of Liberty?
1: Lions of Liberty. Well, first of all, you can start at lionsofliberty.com, of course. Um, We've got a new show every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Friday is our, um, it's kind of our spinoff show called Felony Friday, where my associate, John Odermatt, takes a look at the broken criminal justice system every week, and then I produce shows every Monday and Wednesday. So... Plenty, plenty of material if you want to learn more about the ideas of liberty. Like I said, we try to keep things, you know, pretty casual and uh, we like to have real conversations that people can listen to and and not feel like they just walked into some, you know, to a a Harvard debating society um, or anything like that. Um, Of course, you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts. We're pretty much there. We also have a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash lionsofliberty. And then over on social media, Facebook.com slash Lions of Liberty. You can find us on Twitter at Lions of Liberty. And uh, if you really want to get more involved in this conversation we have a private facebook group and i'm happy to invite you and your listeners in there as well if um, they're interested in talking about these ideas more we're very friendly we don't bite and um it's it is a private facebook group called the lions of liberty forum if just you just type that in your facebook search bar it should pop right up and uh you know we'll, we'll get you right in there it's uh costs nothing to join we just got to make it private to make sure that you are not some sort of spam bot because believe it or not spam bots even want to invade libertarian forums it's true we've had to kick a few spammers out so
0: and I'd also like to point out that I, myself, am a member of the Lions of Liberty Forum. Come
1: join Taylor in, the, in our Lions of Liberty Forum and, and chat about all sorts of weird political stuff in there.
0: All right, Mark, before you go, let me just say that you have the best sign-off line of any podcaster I have ever heard in my entire life. And because of that, i got to hear your sign-off just one more time. I already heard it early this morning when I was listening to the show, but i got to hear it again. So just for us.
1: All right. Well, I mean, the only thing I ask of people out there listening right there is, is of course, to live
0: long and live free. I hope you guys liked the Mark Claire interview. I strongly recommend that you go on to lionsofliberty.com, listen to all their stuff. It's great content. Subscribe to them on iTunes, Stitcher. I think they're on Google Play as well uh also you can check them out on facebook they have this uh lions of liberty forum it's a uh closed face facebook group uh you can apply to be a member i am a member of the Lions of liberty forum as well so uh, be sure to check them out and all the links to everything will be on the show notes page for this particular episode so you can get all that info hope you guys enjoyed it and uh thanks for playing along i'll see you soon